You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with uh, Rob Weinberg, my good buddy over here. I'm Gary Byron. Good to see you, Rob. How have you been? Good to see you. All right. How you doing this morning, Gary? So far, so good, man. You know, it's it's winter. You know, everybody gets the winter doldrums. Yep. You know, it's, what do they call it? There's actually a name for that. It's like a seasonal- Depression. It is. It is. Even people who are otherwise- uh, you know, happy individuals mm-hmm. and no reason to be depressed. Uh, it's it's cold. Um, whether you like snow or not, it's cold. And oh, and, and getting dark early. I know it's we're gradually slowly getting out of that, but it's still not light out mm-hmm. at seven o'clock or eight o'clock. I mean, it's just, that's when people are happy. You know, so I'm, this is kind of pointless to be doing this in the in the middle of January. But I'm really anxiously awaiting the arrival of summer. Not Aren't even spring. Summer. But that's a waste of life. It's a waste of time. We should live each day. I know. I know. I'm my own worst enemy. But how was your week? Was it good? It was good. It was good. Active. People getting back out there. Good. After the holidays and the new year and all the time off. So uh, it's looking to be a great year. Very, uh, I mean, the market is just continuing to progress. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm about two months away myself from starting to- There uh, you go. Actively look. I'm casually looking right now. The problem about looking right now, if I'm not going to buy, the house will be sold. They'll be long yeah. gone. But there'll be new, there'll be new houses yep. that we don't know about yet mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm ready. So uh, exactly, I'm getting excited about that. Still about two months away from that. So you have a guest alive with us this morning. Why don't yeah, you introduce? I have him? a live guest with us, Mr. Donald O'Connor of Asset Pro LLC. And uh, Don, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Believe me, it's great to see you again. And uh, Don, actually, I thought would be a great guest because our most listened to shows on the podcast and radio really have to do with financial planning around real estate, Mm -hmm. mortgage planning with real estate, and just really looking at the overall finances in the lens of real estate. Now, Don's got an expertise in both financial planning and asset protection. And asset protection is something we really haven't talked that much about. It's so important. It's so relevant. Most people don't even think about it. And I just thought it would be a perfect fit for today's show. Well, all right. So then let's start with that. Then why is financial planning around real estate such a relevant topic for our our listeners or anybody? Yeah. I mean, Don, you can chime in in a second, but I think from my standpoint, most people are approaching buying and selling real estate 100% with emotions, right? Mm. They don't really think logically. They don't really look at the numbers up front. They just think emotionally, I have to move. And that's really what drives all their decisions. So I think that's why financial planning is so relevant around it because most people don't look at it through that standpoint. Um, The other thing is that real estate is normally the biggest or close to the biggest asset in somebody's portfolio. So if we just look at financial planning without talking about real estate, you're you're leaving a huge piece on the table. So I think because it's such a big percentage of almost everybody's portfolio in their financial uh, lives, we got to really hone in on this. We got to talk about how it fits in. What do you think, Don? Uh, I totally agree with you. If you look at most people's portfolios, they are comfortable with stocks, mutual funds, things like that. Sure. And I've seen people who have 30 different mutual funds in their portfolio. 
And when you run a Morningstar report, Morningstar is like a consumer reports and the financial sure. okay. industry is an independent third party. All of these 30 mutual funds operate in the same way. So if inflation goes up or interest rates go up or down or a war occurs, whatever happens, they're going to move together up or down. Real estate is not correlated to the stock market. So it gives you real diversification, yes. which you don't have by mm. buying 30 different mutual funds. I never thought of it like that. No, that's key. Oh, yeah. that's... And I think that most people think, oh, I've got this huge portfolio of stocks or mutual funds, so I'm protected because I have IBM, Microsoft, mm -hmm. you know, Ford, all these different companies. But like he said, if the stock market crashes, all those companies pretty much have issues. Right. Your real estate, though, actually, if you look at recessions, real estate does really well when the stock market's not doing well. So it actually makes a lot of sense, like we've been talking to first-time buyers, to get that real estate in your portfolio along with the 401 1k along with the stocks to help like even out and and create a little less volatility in Absolutely. your financial portfolio i believe people should have 10 or 15 percent of their investments in real estate either directly mm -hmm. or through funds or whatever mm -hmm. but but Absolutely. What would you say then are some of the main areas of confusion when it comes to real estate and, and how it fits into, let's say, a long term financial plan? I mean, the number one thing that I see with people is they underestimate the or sometimes overestimate the liquidity of the equity that they have in real estate. People think, oh, I've got this house. It's worth half a million. I only owe $250,000. i have got all this money at my disposal. It's only when they go and try to get that money out to do something that they understand that it's more than, you know, just like getting a loan against a life insurance policy like we'll talk about or getting a personal loan where you don't have to give much info. Getting a mortgage or a line of credit against your home, there's paperwork, there's documents, there's credit, there's all these pieces. People don't realize until it's too late. They need the money. They try to get it. They have issues. Only then do they realize, oh, that real estate wasn't as liquid as I thought. And the big issue too is there's only two ways to get access to the equity in your home. You either sell it and then you still need a place to live, or right? Do a refi. Or you do a, a some sort of mortgage or some sort of financial instrument on the home. So I'd say that's the number one confusion I see. And also the rate of return on equity, like we've talked about, there's no return on your home equity. Whether you have a mortgage to the hill or no mortgage, your real estate's gonna go up or down regardless. And people think, oh, my home went up 20% last year, so I get a 20% return on my equity. That's not right. It's not until you pull that equity out and put it in a financial instrument like what Don offers and, and what's out there that you can actually start earning the return. Anything is better than zero. So even getting a couple percentage points on that amount of money is huge. Um, what do you think as far as different confusion well, points oh, for I, people? No, I, I totally agree with you there. There's zero percent return on the equity unless you take the money out. Mm -hmm. You're much better taking the money out and investing it, uh, you know, somewhere else where you can get a seven or 10 percent rate of return. And mm -hmm. people don't understand that. They think of the real estate like a 401k plan as being sacrosanct. We want to pay the mortgage off yep, early. Yep. And that's that's a real uh, that's a real no-no. How many times have Rob have you I said I know, that? I know. I'm, it's great to have someone that understands and practices what we preach, so to speak. Um, the other thing that I'll say of a big piece of confusion is people forget when they look at how much equity they have or look at like – 
modeling out what they're going to make on the sale of their home. They forget about closing costs. They forget about realtor commissions. They forget about all these things. And then lo and behold, they end up with 10, 20, 30,000 or more less than they thought. And their entire plan changes. So it's really important to bake in those transaction costs, whether you're modeling out, does it make sense to refinance? Does it make sense to put a line of credit on your home? Does it make sense to sell the home? Mm -hmm. All of these have costs that are incurred short and long-term. Um, another one that I know Don agrees with me on is using reverse mortgages as an option. Um, you know, there's stigma out there. There shouldn't be. There's a very, very good place in a lot of people's financial plan, especially in retirement, to really put a reverse mortgage to work and open up huge financial opportunities. It's a valuable option that shouldn't just be shrugged aside because 15 years ago, somebody said it was bad or somebody got screwed. The reverse mortgage product is way more regulated now than ever before, and it's more flexible now than ever before. And the last thing that I'll say on confusion points on real estate and financial mm -hmm. planning is the asset protection, as we're going to talk about, and the fact that people think, oh, yeah, it's my house. I'm on the title. Nobody can take it from me. You have no idea how many title searches and things I see come back. People have liens on their home they, they don't even know about. They could be there for years. They have no idea till they go to try to do a mortgage or sell the property that they had this layer between them and getting the money that they need. So, so important. Then what are, what are some unconventional methods of buying real estate that can be used? with a proper financial plan. I think the big one is using cash value life insurance by far, you know, one of the best strategies. It takes planning. It takes time. It's not something you're going to set up today and go buy a house next week with. But if you have that foresight, if you can think out years, even decades, you can completely set yourself up, not only with real estate, but your entire retirement, your entire financial portfolio by using a properly structured permanent life insurance contract. So that's a big one. You can use the life insurance to buy a home outright with no mortgage, or you can just use it for a down payment. I have a lot of real estate investors that get all the money they need for their down payment, 20, 30% down. It's all from their cash value life insurance. They pay it back. They do it again and again. So that's big. What do you think about using life insurance for? real estate. Well, you know, life insurance, I, I totally agree with you, but life insurance is a dirty word for many people. They think of it as an unnecessary expense. They think that someone's betting on their life, someone's going to get rich <laughs> when they die. But if I ask you, what if you could set up your own bank and uh, you wouldn't, by setting up your own bank, you wouldn't have to go through credit checks. You'd have money available whenever you wanted to buy real estate. And the money coming out of it is tax-free, okay? The money going into it, you don't pay tax on it. It's, it's sort of like a Roth on steroids. But if you could set up your own bank, and that's uh, what you were just talking mm -hmm. about, uh, that would be tremendous. And when you have a life insurance policy, a permanent life insurance policy, not a term life insurance policy, a policy that builds up cash, you can take that cash out and buy a home, Put a deposit on Even it. Even like a whole life insurance policy. Whole life. Whole life exactly. insurance. Universal Index, life. Universal yep. life. There are a number, but not term is temporary. Uh -huh. Now, if you're young, if you're in your 20s, you want to make sure that you have enough life insurance to pay your own mortgage off. I don't even have life insurance in my 20s. Most <laughs> people well, don't. No. Who but, thinks of that? And no. your health can change. So you want to buy it where you're healthy. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, otherwise, you're not, you're not able to do that. But once you have enough to protect your family, you can use it as a bank. And that's what I teach people how to do, how to use permanent life insurance as a bank 
and they can use that to buy yep. life insurance. It works. I've been doing it myself. Properties. You know, I you guys said who gets it in their twenties. I did. I got did my first one at twenty two. Why am I not surprised of, with that? Because wrong. a friend of mine was in the industry and explained it to me, and I've gotten several more over the years. But on top of life insurance, let's not stop there because there's other unconventional methods you can use. Some people have these big four hundred one ks and Roth IRAs and retirement plans, investment accounts with like a brokerage. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sell your assets to get the cash. You can take loans against them. Okay, not only the life insurance loans he was talking about, but also loans against like what I call like a secured line of credit. Most of the big brokerages offer them. So if you have a stock portfolio worth a million dollars, they'll give you a loan at a very good rate, 30, 40, 50% of the value of that portfolio. You don't have to sell. You can have your cake and eat it too. You really can. So that's a huge, I would say, disregarded, unused, unknown for a lot of people. They have these stocks. They think I have to sell. I have to liquidate. Of course, 401k loans, I think people know about that they're there. They don't maybe use them as much as they should, or they use them maybe in some cases that they shouldn't. But I have a lot of first-time buyers, especially, that use their 401k or retirement plan, even some who have only been putting money in for a few years, and they use that money to buy their first home to put down. So that's really, uh, you know, a big deal and something that I think everyone can learn from. Can you talk maybe about some of the reasons why asset protection is so important when it comes to real estate and property then? Yeah. People ask, how can I protect my home from a lawsuit and how do I protect my property from creditors? And Don's really a big expert on this. One of the reasons I wanted to have him on. But the reason why it's important is we live in a society where everybody is out there trying to sue everybody. They make it so easy now and inexpensive to sue people and put liens on property and get things of that nature. And it's like it's the Wild West. You have to protect your assets. If you don't, it's one of those things like insurance or anything else. You don't really understand the value until you need it. Okay, so Don, if you can talk about some different strategies that you use with your clients, specifically on how to title the property, how to protect the equity in the property from creditors and lawsuits. The key to asset protection is to own nothing but control everything. Let me repeat that. The key to asset protection is to own nothing but but control everything. Now, what I mean by that is you can use what are called LLCs, mm-hmm. limited liability mm-hmm. companies, yep. family limited partnerships, irrevocable trusts. There are different legal entities that allow you to control in every aspect that piece of property. And yet no one can come after you personally. If in a, When you mention lawsuits, there's also divorces. Partnerships that break up, all sorts of things happen where people sue people in different ways and you can lose things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a high net worth individual, you certainly want to have these legal entities in place. I work with attorneys who specialize in these areas. We work together on a total financial plan. Um, but if you're a successful lawyer, doctor, dentist, uh, whatever, uh, you want to have these things in place. And you never want to put more than one piece of property into an LLC or a family limited partnership. Uh, The World Trade Center had their hallways, stairwells in separate LLCs. (laughs) Are you serious? Yes. That's going to the extreme, but I understand what they were doing. It's a very complex organization. Uh, We we try to keep it simple, but one, one piece of property 
in each one of these. That's very, very important. And you don't want to commingle. What he's saying is if you have two properties in one LLC and somebody trips and falls at one of your properties, the other one could be at stake. The mm -hmm. equity from that other one. So I was taught that, you know, very early on, each property needs to be in its own entity, That's whether correct. it be that family limited partnership, LLC, et cetera. All right. So let's just take that one other step, uh, though. I've got another question for you. Let's say uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I own, I don't know, five properties and I've got tenants in all these, in mm -hmm. each of these properties. Mm -hmm. Take out a separate L LLC for each yes. one of these for properties. Yes. Just, you just wouldn't have a... Yeah, so like what I have on one of my rental properties, I just create the street address LLC for each one. And it may sound daunting, but if you have an expert, if you have a pro guiding you, like I'm sure Don has attorneys, he can call on a Monday and yep. they'll have this done on a Tuesday. Like oh, it's yeah. not this huge big thing. It doesn't cost thousands of dollars, but it's so important. It can protect millions of dollars in your equity. What are some of the main methods that you use with your clients then? Let's, let's say to pr help protect their real estate from lawsuits and creditors. So though. Don, you mentioned LLC. Is there a specific yeah. type of LLC that you prefer over another? Not really. Uh, LLCs and and family limited partnerships. So it's just I LLCs mean, and family limited partnerships. What yes. about the state? Because every state has different rules for oh, LLCs. Yes. Yes, Is there a do. certain state that's better than another? Because I know my LLC, I have one in North Carolina. I have another in Nevada because Nevada has really good yeah. asset protection laws. And Is there Delaware an advantage to one too. versus another? I, I, that's a legal question. I'd okay. Leave, I'd leave it to a lawyer. You know what I mean? We'd sit down, look at your particular situation. Also, umbrella insurance, I know, oh, is a yeah. popular strategy that I was taught very young. Yep. Um, not instead of an LLC necessarily, but just an additional layer of protection. There's a lot of different uh, options you have to get what's called an umbrella insurance policy. policy. Yep. They're very inexpensive. You can get a million dollars for less than a thousand bucks a year, two million dollars for like fifteen hundred bucks a year. It's that inexpensive and it can protect you as we're saying, millions of dollars where the insurance company will assist you in defending against lawsuits and things of that. That was one of the first asset protection strategies I used that a friend of mine that knows this stuff taught me at a young age. And I just figured, look, there's so much at risk. Is it worth a small cost to protect? Well, not only that, but the average umbrella policy, you mentioned a thousand, they're down around three, 350 bucks for a million dollars. And what people don't understand, and they, you get these from your property casualty guy, the guy who does your auto insurance and homeowner's insurance. And what people don't understand is that if you get a $2 million umbrella liability, uh, the company also, the insurance company also pays all the legal expenses. That doesn't come out of that $2 million policy. Oh. So if you went down the street, if you're paying an insurance company three, four hundred, five hundred bucks for a $2 million policy. A, a month or a year? A, a year, year. A year. A year. Oh. A year. Uh, if you're paying that and the insurance company is on the hook for two million bucks, do you think they're going to hire a pretty good attorney? You got that right. Right? I, I mean, if you, I look at it as prepaid legal. You pay 300 bucks, 400 bucks, whatever, for one hour of a good attorney. It's true. Time. Exactly. You know, it, it's just dirt cheap. Everyone should have an umbrella. Everyone, everyone. Folks. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Uh, as always, with Rob Weinberg, which uh, you can uh, call, make an appointment with him, meet with him in person. Uh, 860-413-3938. And uh, you can email him at mortgagemattersradioshow at gmail.com. I'll make sure I repeat those points of contact as well. Our guest, uh, very special guest, later live in the studio, Don O'Connor. 
from the Asset Protection Financial Group. Uh, Don, I mean, I can give your phone number here. Out, you uh, sure? Okay, it's eight six zero five five nine seven eight eight five. Again, it's eight six zero five five nine seven eight eight five. Do you want to give your your email? Yeah, address? the easiest email is Don at cteess dot org. And we'll repeat that at the end of the show sure. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to a client who is nearing retirement and wants to liquidate part or even all of their investment portfolio to buy a property? I mean, my you know my line of thinking on that is that you definitely shouldn't do that, um, especially if you're nearing retirement. The last thing you want to do is a fire sale on securities because who the market could be up, it could be down. And if you sell when you're down, you're you're really you're not in money. a good financial position. So I think what I would say to that person is, why don't we look at a reverse mortgage for purchase, what we've talked about before as a Heckam purchase, where you can put a nice chunk down, but you can also get a reverse mortgage for the rest that won't require monthly payments. So it gives you a lot of flexibility when you're nearing retirement. And then the second thing I had mentioned earlier about was the secured lines of credit. If you have this big portfolio, there's so many financial options that you have to borrow against it without actually liquidating it. So a lot of people don't understand, they don't see, they don't know that those options are available. And again, based on your timing, you are at the mercy of the market. And if you're going to sell when you're down, it's not going to end well, especially because that's your nest egg. And Don, what do you think about somebody that is thinking about actually liquidating their retirement? Let's say they have a $2 million 401k. They want to buy a million dollar home. They're going to take half of that nest egg and put it on the home and buy it in cash. What do you think of that? Yeah, I I really would not advise them to do that, quite frankly, because at that point in their life, they should be looking at withdrawal strategies, how to protect the money they have, how to make sure it lasts for their lifetime. Uh, A a mutual fund or a stock isn't going to call you in the middle of the night and say, gee, the furnace isn't working, Uh, you know, (laughs) water pipe is leaking, uh, that type of thing. Uh, So I I would advise against that. All right, let's talk about life insurance. I know we've already talked about a little bit about that, but it spurred a question that I uh, came up. Um, can you talk maybe about some specific scenarios where individuals use cash value life insurance in order to buy property? I mean, I've done it myself, so I can tell you my story and, and some clients. So, you know, I had been working on the cash value life insurance, building up that cash value over several years. It came time to buy a, a, an office building um, for my business. I needed a down payment and... Um, the cash value life insurance was the answer to that. I didn't have to look at liquidating money out of savings, emergency fund. I didn't have to worry about taking a loan against the 401k. Those are all viable options. But when you have the cash value life insurance, like Don was saying, it becomes your own bank. It becomes the area you can finance everything. We're talking about real estate. You can finance college educations, starting a business. Actually heard Walt Disney finance the creation of Disney through his whole or cash value life insurance permanent policy. Yeah. Um, Ross Perot, I heard, used his cash value life insurance to fund his entire presidential But bid. you got to have money in there. you got to have money in there. Again, this isn't something you're going to set up on a Monday and buy it on a Tuesday. I think I had my whole life policies for at least five years before I started actually borrowing against them. And it needs to be set up right. 
There's companies out there, some big names that have advisors that are taught to sell you life insurance, and that's fine. But the bank on yourself policies, the the bank, uh, the policies we're talking about that function as a personal bank, they are customized. Everybody's different. Okay, there's a lot of different clauses and things that come up. They have to be strategized and structured wow. with a true pro that knows how to do it like Don and like people that have that training, not just some call center guy that works for MetLife or Allstate or one of these big companies. It's just unfortunate, but a lot of those don't have the specialized training you need to make that happen. So then there are some advantages of using cash value life insurance oh, to buy property, especially versus, let's say, using a bank financing. Oh, yes. I have a client who's uh, this this year is earning 14% interest in his cash value life wow. insurance policy. Yeah. He's borrowing that out, his own money, at 5% to invest. And when he repays, he's not repaying the bank. He's repaying his own account. Himself. Yep, right. Yep. Okay? And, and you wow. want to make sure you have a company that is highly rated, uh, and specializes in certain types. I, of I'm sorry, I'm running out of time. I've got one final question, if you don't mind. Just maybe a short answer from each of you. Uh, but how? So how can a conventional mortgage be used in conjunction with a cash value life insurance then to build a real estate portfolio? It's probably a complex answer, but I well, I let's have... be quick with it. You can use the life insurance for the down payment and the reserves you'll need to qualify for the mortgage and use a conventional mortgage to get the rest. So for example, $300,000 home, maybe take 30000 out of your cash value life insurance for 10% down payment and finance 90% using a conventional okay. mortgage. Okay. You can pay that back over time. Then you can borrow it back and do this multiple times. Okay. I have clients that have done this over and over again and created portfolios of five, 10 plus properties using one cash value life insurance policy. They fund, borrow, pay back. Fund, borrow, pay back over and over and over again. It's infinite financing. You know, that's what it is. It just keeps going. You just keep rolling. All right. Well, I, boy, I'm looking for a short answer, and it was shorter than I thought. You actually have another 30 seconds if you wanted to add to that. I, I think it's a matter of getting comfortable with the process, getting an advisor like Don that can help you set it up. This isn't something you need to do overnight. You know, talk to some people. There's a lot of information. There's books on it. Get the information. Get comfortable with it. Get educated about it. Yeah. Pick your advisor, structure the plan, structure the policy, and then get with a mortgage advisor like me to help you implement this into your financial situation. I liked having uh, Don O'Connor on from the Asset Protection Financial Group. Don O'Connor, I'll give you his phone number. It's 860-559-7885. I want to be... I want to be very clear, though. This is for Donald O'Connor, the Asset Protection Financial Group, uh, he, our special guest uh, this uh, this uh, this morning. 860-559-7885. And your email address again is... is Don at C-T-E-S-S dot org. Wonderful. And, of course, Rob Weinberg. Uh, let's start off with the website, www.ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Again, it's very simple, Connecticut Mortgage Lending. Dot com. Incidentally, if you've got a question that you would like to have answered on these very airwaves, well, let me give you the email address. It's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. I want to be very specific, though. This is the email address for this particular show. If you've got a question or a concern, you want to call him 
Uh, I'm going to give you his phone number in in just a couple of seconds. Uh, And, of course, there's an email address that uh, you can get directly from the website. So, uh, And you know what? Your question, you might be answering someone else who's got the exact same question that they were thinking of. So don't be shy here. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And, of course, make that appointment with Rob Weinberg. Write this phone number down, 860-413-3938. I'll say it again a little bit more slow. Write it down, 860-413-3938. 3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to the Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Podcast, Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.